Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Chapter number 11, I guess, or Psalm 11. There aren't chapters in Psalms, there's Psalms. Some people get really hung up on that kind of stuff in Scripture. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like it's not revelations, it's revelation. It's like they act like you don't know which book you're talking about. It's like, it could be revelations. There's multiple ones in there. We're going to have to cut this from the podcast. People are listen- that are listening are like, what is this guy talking about? So, anyways, Psalm 11, Psalm 11, been in a series entitled Summer Psalms, and so walking through really the different psalms of uh, the book of Psalms and um, pulling out principles that we can take and apply to our lives, and so today leads us to Psalm 11. We've been doing this on Sunday night, but then also on Wednesday night, a little bit more of a group discussion and feel on Wednesday nights, and so um, if you haven't made it out to one of those, uh, hopefully you will, but Sunday is a little bit more teaching, and so Psalm 11 is where we're going to be, a short one um, today, but um, packed with a lot of powerful principles, and so Psalm 11 we have entitled, A Valuable Question, A Valuable Question, and so the Bible says this in uh, verse number one, it says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, But the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and in horrible tempest this shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. What a novel thought, huh? The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. And so I want us to spend just a couple minutes today on this thought of a valuable question from verse number uh, or from uh, Psalm 11 and the question that I'm referring to is found in verse number 3 if you would read that out loud together with me ready verse number 3 ready begin if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us dear Heavenly Father God we thank you for your word We're thankful for this book of Psalms that just seems to so clearly speak to the world that we're living in. Lord, there's so much uncertainty, there's so much doubt. Lord, many of these young adults, Lord, uh, it seems as though their life is just getting started and yet the world is turning upside down, Lord, politically, financially, Lord, morally, and so many other things. And Lord, may we never be guilty of putting our confidence in the stability of this world system, but in you. God, I pray that you would help us today to learn something from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. A valuable question. 
How many of you, um, you ask yourself questions throughout your day? You ask yourself questions throughout your day, okay? Maybe it's something as simple as, what do I want for supper, all right? Or what do I want for lunch? Or do I want to eat supper? Do I want to spend money or do I not want to spend money, all right? Those are, those are important questions. And life is full of important questions. Sometimes we have to make big decisions of, okay, do I want to leave my job or stay at my job? Do I want to buy a house or rent a house? Do I want to uh, take care of my body or not take care of my body, all right? Um, right now it's seeming like I'm leaning more towards the not taking care of my body side, all right? But do I want, how seriously do I want to do this? Do I want to work out today or not work out today? Um, also leaning more towards the not working outside of that question as well. We ask ourselves a lot of questions, and a lot of times our choices are based off of a question. We answer them by what we choose to do. And in verse number three, David asks an important question where he says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And right now, it seems like in our world and maybe even in your life that the foundations of really everything that our lives have been built on are being chipped away. Maybe the foundation of morality. You can kind of see how the unrighteous and the immoral are, are chipping away of that. The, the foundation of truth. Right now, it seems like that the, it's so difficult to even know what is true and what is not true. Um, you have fact checkers now. Uh, who would have ever believed that we lived in a world where there were actually people who checked the facts of other people, all right? You have people that now have verified accounts because so many people were trying to pretend to be someone that they weren't. We, we struggle to find the truth, and so it seems like that maybe that foundation of truth is just being chipped away. The foundation of maybe kindness and love toward one another. It used to be that if you disagreed with someone, you at least knew how to treat them. And now it almost seems like that a differing point of view, whether it's a view to the left of where you are or a view to the right, comes with a little bit of hatred and animosity. The foundation of really so much of what the world operates is being chipped away. And so in this moment and in David's life, he says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And right now, if the foundation of your life, whether it maybe be relational or financial or mental or emotional, if you feel like that is being chipped away, you must ask yourself a question, what can I as a Christian, as a righteous person in God's eyes, what can I do? I want to give you really three, I guess, uh, processes or three things that are going on in this passage. And then we'll kind of talk a little bit under each of them. The first one that you'll see is this, is you'll see the feeling that David is experiencing. You'll see the feeling in verse number one and verse two. He says, in the Lord put I my trust. In the Lord put I my trust. I love when David kind of opens with the obvious. I think sometimes we need that. He's getting ready to share some really real feelings, some very emotional thoughts. But he says this, in the Lord do I put my trust. Let me just encourage you. There's nothing wrong with viewing the things of this world through an emotional lens or through even a logical or practical lens. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it's important to precede those thoughts with a simple thought of, God, I'm trusting you, but here's some problems that I'm struggling with. God, I'm trusting you, but I'm really having a hard time swallowing $4 a gallon gas, okay? God, I trust you, but I'm really struggling understanding what to do for my health. God, I trust you, but 
and then here's what we need to see. So he gives this feeling. He says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. I want you to notice a couple of things under this. Is that the world wants you to run. Wickedness wants you to respond by leaving. Okay? Wickedness wants you to respond by pulling yourself away. He says, in the Lord put I my trust. Why say ye unto my soul? Why appeal to something deep within me that I just need to run away and get out of this? David was right about most things in his life. Did David make mistakes? Absolutely. But the thing we have to understand is that when he was a man after God's heart, when he was doing that which God had called him to do, when he had been already ordained to be king, David was following what God wanted him to do. And so when people pulled back their arrows and their criticisms at David and said, you need to flee, you need to run, what they were actually telling him was to disobey God. Sometimes we miss that about the life of David. We miss the fact that if he would have bailed out on what the plan was for his life, he would have actually been bailing out on God's plan for his life. And he says, why are you telling me to run away from this? So I want you to see that wickedness wants you to run. Wickedness wants you to just say, I'm out of here. I give up trying to fight the wickedness of this world. I'm just going to go and tuck myself in a cave and never come out. Wickedness wants you to run, but I want you to see this. Wickedness is aimed at the upright. Wickedness is aimed at the upright. I want you to see this, okay? He says, For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the, what's the next word? Upright in heart. That they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. Did you know that wickedness is not marketed to those that are already wicked? Wickedness is marketed to those who are upright. The devil does not always want to make you go from here to here. Sometimes he simply wants to make you go from here to here. The devil doesn't need you to fall into a great deep sin. He just simply needs you to become unfocused about that which, he would, that which God wants you to do. Just this past week when we were on the treat, retreat, Jordan and I stayed up way too late just talking and talking about life and talking about like what we were going through and kind of a uh, similar experience, what God was teaching us. And one of the things that I remember that we ended up talking about was that how Satan, I don't think that Satan wants the people, in the, I mean, I think he will take it, but Satan's not going to trip the people up in this room with some sort of immoral lifestyle. He's not going to, his goal is not to necessarily get you strung out on drugs and to make sure that you're skipping church because of how late you've partied every night. I think that most of the people in this room, he, sim- he knows that that's probably a very far fetch for some of you, okay? I think that what the devil count- counts as a win is when you can show up on Sunday and look the part of a good Christian and on Monday through Saturday play the part of a hypocrite. To where you can sit here and look nice, but then on Monday maybe the things that you consume on TV are ungodly. Maybe the thoughts that are in your head, maybe the doubt that you have, maybe, maybe you believe that, well, I've got to work harder so that I can get more in this life, and I've got to, I've got to make sure that finances are there, and I, I have to trust myself. If the devil can trick you into believing that this world revolves around you, he's done, your, he's done his job. Because wickedness is not aimed at the wicked. 
Wickedness is aimed at the upright in heart. So first of all, there's the feeling. But then secondly, I want you to notice this. There's the question. He says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? How many of you ever had a question or you've had a teacher or something, someone pose a question and it seems like that they never gave the answer? Anybody? That's always frustrating, isn't it? I remember I had a professor in college. I took this class called Ethics and Etiquette. I thought it was going to be about how you had to like fold your napkin for supper, all right? But it, was, it definitely was not. Like I, I didn't really know what to expect. But I remember my first day in that class, he opens up with this question. It was basically about like moral dilemmas. And so he opens up with this story about, I don't even remember, someone who like lied to save a ship and like all the people. On, and he was like, did they do the right thing? And it was like, so then he just opens it up for class discussion. And I don't know who assigned all of the people in my class in there, but like I got to be in like the, one of the most argumentative classes, which was very entertaining. Like it definitely wasn't a class that I fell asleep in because there was the, it was, and it was funny because it was like a guy and a girl and the guy always sat like on the front row and the girl always sat in the back and half the time they were talking at each other and the rest of us were like oh yeah good point good point like point for him oh good point point for her all right um and so the rest of us were just kind of enjoying but i remember the thing that was frustrating was he would throw out like these huge moral dilemmas that i'm like god please don't ever put me in that situation because based off of this class i'm pretty much just going to freeze in fear and not know like it's like well jordan definitely did not make the courageous decision because of ethics and etiquette all right um that's what i'm blaming it on if it ever happens but and so he would and so he would go to like the story of rahab and so rahab lied but she saved the children of israel and god honored her and she's she's in the family tree so did rahab do right some of you are like, I'm not going to listen to the rest of this lesson because I'm going to try to figure out if Rahab did right, all right? Um, but he would throw stuff out like that. And I remember he would never answer the question. And, like, we would get to the end of class, and I remember, like, the, for the first week, two weeks, I'm like, he's probably going to revisit these and tell us, like, what we should do, right? Like, <laughs> like, that was my question. And he never did. Like, he would just always sit up there and laugh. And, he would, and like, as soon as someone made, like, a good point, he would be like, but have you thought about this? And it was like, no. Why, like, why did you add that to the equation? Of course I hadn't thought about that. Like, that's a game changer. And it's like, and he just, I think he just did it for his own uh, enjoyment. He was, he was a brilliant man. Uh, it was Dr. Getch, if any of you are wondering. And so, uh, anyways, but he was, he was such a brilliant man. But I remember, like, throughout the whole class, like, I'm like, well, maybe he'll tell us on, like, the midterm or on the final exam. I walked out of that class more confused about what I should do than what I shouldn't do, or what I, what I shouldn't do than what I should do. And I kind of feel like that in this verse and in this passage, David's doing the same thing. He says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You would like a follow-up statement with, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number one, the righteous can start rebuilding. Number two, the righteous can start restoring. Like, like we want it to be alliterated. Like, David, just kind of, could you put it on a screen for me and like with a real pretty background and just tell me, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Here's what I believe the answer to this kind of like silent question rhetorical question that's the word i was going for all right here's what i believe the answer is to this question is that the righteous must continue to be righteous i think the answer is in the question if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do the righteous can only do that which they have already started doing 
when truth and morality and love and all of the things that, that the world has been built on, when those start to be chipped away, when wickedness starts to kind of start, starts to crack the foundation of this world, the only thing that you and I can do is that which we have already started doing, is that which God has called us to do. It's not something magnificent. It's not something new. It's not something that, well, oh, now that the foundations are being destroyed, let's change our game plan. Let's start doing what, what Psalm chapter number 11 says. Let's change it to this because now that the foundations have started crumbling, let's change our plan. No, the plan does not change because the truth is, is that the plan was never up to us in the first place. And what you must understand is you maybe step back and you see the world around you starting to crumble. As you see the world around you starting to feel and look and maybe sound a lot different than it did even when you were maybe six, seven years old. Some of you, you've literally watched the world change before your very eyes as you've been a college student. Our first year at, at, on campus of Collegians for Christ was completely normal. And six months later, I'm sitting on a computer screen saying, I can't hear you, you're muted. Oh, oh, yeah, oh okay, I, I, yeah, okay, well, let's try to get together for coffee, okay? Let's try to maybe go see each other. That, that happened like that. The world changed. The first semester that we went back on campus after COVID, well, I was supposed to teach in a mask. Okay? And I bought these cool collegians for Christ masks. I thought, if I have to wear a mask on campus to be a light and a witness to someone, then I'm at least going to tell them who I'm with. And so I bought these cool dry fit collegians for Christ masks. They worked more like blindfolds than they did masks because the longer you talk, they just kind of crept their way up. All right? But it happened like that. It changed. The political climate changed in basically one election. The morality of the world changed. Everything's beginning to change, and you've watched it. You've seen it happen. Has there always been roots of it? Absolutely, but I want you to listen to this. The plan doesn't change just because the foundations are being destroyed. Let me prove it to you. There's the feeling, there's the question, and then in, in the following verses, there's the answer. Here's what the answer is. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Look at the following verses. I want you to listen to these. Okay? I know sometimes when I read scripture, it's easy just to be like, uh, okay, the Bible is being read, my time to tune out. Okay, now Joel's talking, I can listen. I want you to listen to what God says through David. He says, the Lord is in his holy temple, meaning this, that God has not moved. When the foundations are destroyed, God has not moved. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. A couple of weeks ago, we said that don't mistake God's silence for approval. Don't mistake God's silence for approval. Judgment does not always occur on earth. Judgment of wickedness does not always occur immediately. God is still going to judge. God is still going to try the children of men. He says in verse 5, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. And then he says in verse number 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. His countenance doth behold the upright. 
on Wednesday night, I want to close with really this thought and maybe close with something that you can walk out of here and apply. On Wednesday night, we read Psalm chapter number 10. And one of the points that I made was that the unrighteous or the wicked define the lines, meaning this, that there should be a line in your life that you say, I'm just not going to go there. I'm just, that's too far for me. And can I just talk to your heart for just a second as a young adult? Okay. Right now, it seems as though that Christians are looking for more options for permission than they are for righteousness. They're seeking after what they can do rather than stepping back and saying, no, these are some things that I just know that I shouldn't do. And I'm not going to get into all of it. I don't want this to turn into a, a, a talk where you walk out and you say, well, that's so legalistic. Here's what, I, here's, what, here's what I want you to see. Is that we have turned Christianity into, well, because I have accepted Christ as my Savior, because he sees me as righteous, because I'm already saved because of all this, then this is where I can go to. I can, I can go all the way up to here. I could do what, it, well, this is the thing that I always talk about when someone says that, okay? As a Christian, you could kill someone. You could. Because guess what? God's grace is there. Like, forgiveness is there. God sees you as righteous. So just, like, that, is that really what we're saying? Like, is that really what we're trying to accomplish is that now because of who I am in Christ, like I love all of like the, the gushy Christian talk, because of who I am in Christ, like because of who you are in Christ, technically you could still go to heaven and have sliced someone's throat. So, so that's what we want to accomplish. That's where we're going to draw the Like there are no lines now for Christians. When here's what I believe that the world needs to, have, needs to see in us as Christians. Because of who I am in Christ, there are some things that I just know I'm not going to deal with in this life. There's a line for me. Not because God has necessarily, God has drawn the lines. He's given the command of thou shalt not kill. But guess what? We still technically, if we're looking for the caveat and the liberty of Christianity, you could still do that. You could check all the boxes of the gospel and still go and sin. One of the most horrifying sins in the world. You could do that. It does not negate your Christianity. And sometimes what we almost want to do is we want to treat Christianity like it's a contract. Like, well, God has given me the contract that gives me the license to do whatever I want. What if we started asking ourselves this question? What would a righteous person do in this situation? How would the righteous handle something like alcohol? When it seems like all, the, and I'm not trying to beat anyone's drum, okay? Like, I don't even know where probably 90%, if you go to this church, I probably know where you stand. But let me just talk to your head for just a second, okay? Why in the world when the rest of the world is going to hell in a handbasket, when the rest of the world needs to see that something is different, when the rest of the world is searching for their joy at the bottom of a bottle, why in the world would we as Christians want to say, well, I can do it. 
when we could just simply step back and say, you know what, I could do it, but the truth is, is that my joy is found in Jesus Christ. My joy is found in my satisfaction that I have in my salvation. And so I don't need that. Why in the world, when, when we should be making a difference, when we should be showing people that something's different about us, why in the world would we as Christians want to become so consumed with our job and making money and living some big lifestyle? Why in the world, when the rest of the world wants everyone to look at them, would we also, as Christians, make our social media pages and make everything about us be about us? Be about, look how good I am. Look at how good looking I am. Look at how great my coffee frothy is, okay? Like, why in the world would we want everything to be pointed toward us? And it's because we've missed this fact that the plan does not change. God's still in heaven looking down upon us, looking to judge both the righteous and the unrighteous. You'll stand before God one of these days. But the righteous Lord loveth the righteous. The righteous Lord loveth the righteous, and his countenance is upon the upright. Do you want to know how to get the presence of God in your life? Maybe instead of setting your line here because you can, you set your line here because you should. Maybe instead of enjoying that show or, or that music or that artist or that relationship or whatever because you can, maybe it's more important that you stay here and enjoy the presence of God. The prodigal didn't leave because he wasn't allowed to. The prodigal was allowed to leave. But what did he miss? He missed the presence of the father, didn't he? He missed the sustenance of the father. He missed the food and the, and the blessing of the father. And sometimes what we think is we think that, well, I can go here. Yeah, you can but get ready to enjoy the corn of the, of the pig trough of this world rather than the blessings of the Father and the closeness that you experience by staying where you should. This lesson might have turned into something that I didn't want it to turn into, but let me just close with this, okay? This question of what can the righteous do is not a deep answer. And I don't know where many of you are, obviously, the ones that are in here, as I look across the room, like you are faithful here day in and day out. Sunday morning, many of you are here on Wednesday nights, okay? And I appreciate that. But can I encourage you with this? Don't give up on the righteousness of your Christian life for the short-term gain and pleasure that you would experience from the world. When the foundations are being destroyed, it's not an option or it shouldn't be an option for you to throw in the towel on righteousness. Christian living still matters. And in fact, here's what I would say. Is that sometimes what we tend to see and experience is this. Well, if I've got my ticket punched to heaven, nothing else matters. And where you miss it is this. There are still blessings attached to obedience. There's still joy found in doing it God's way. 
well, I'm saved. I can date and live however I want. You can, okay? You 100% can. God's not going to strike you with a, with, light, with a lightning bolt just because you dated some, someone in a wrong way, in an immoral way, okay? That's not the God that you or I serve. But wouldn't you rather live this Christian life saying, God, I'm going to date the way that you want me to because I want the blessings of God on my dating life. I'm going to live with my finances the way you want me to because I want the blessings of God on my finances. You can do anything that you want as a Christian, but what you will miss is that the righteous Lord loveth the righteous, and his countenance is upon the upright. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.